0: Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That means improving your photo skills, building on your business knowledge, and honing your marketing abilities, but it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We do try to bring this show to you commercial-free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com, And Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographer's Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer. And Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. Again, photographersedit.com and milu.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca Podcast episode I am joined today by a brand new guest, Sierra Johnson. Sierra, thank you so much for kind of last minute too being willing to come on the Boca podcast and share a little bit about your health journey.
1: Yes, absolutely. And thank you for having me.
0: Well, it's been good to meet you as of late. Uh, I think we, I'm trying to think if we met first, was it WPPI where we got a chance
1: to connect? Yes, yes. WPPI, which I was super excited to meet you. <laughs> I have been stalking you on on Instagram and just in the community for quite a while, and I was just super starstruck when I ran into you. <laughs> oh
0: wow, that that's very generous of you. Um, I, the, the flip side of that conversation is I'm actually on. So you've got a couple of Instagram accounts, but you have over a hundred or close to a hundred thousand followers um, on your chic and savvy Bell account. Which, like, I, the, the roles should be reversed. I should be starstruck <laughs> in return. <laughs> Um, but, but I, I really appreciate your, your willingness to so quickly just kind of, well, first of all, that that you would even make an effort to connect, um, at WPPI, but then secondly, your willingness to share with our community so quickly too. I just mentioned to you the other day, Hey, you know, could we do a podcast together? And you're like, yeah. And, and I said, "I, I think that there would be some value in, in talking about your health journey, Uh, because this is not a topic we spend a whole lot of time on on the podcast. And I think it definitely bears discussion um, on multiple levels. So we're going to we're going to get there in just a bit. But you're also a photographer. And I I, just to start the conversation off, I'd be curious to hear what would you say is one of the most important principles behind providing a wonderful customer experience? And maybe just add a little bit of context to share what market you're in as a photographer and what type of photography you, you offer.
1: Yes, absolutely. So I am a wedding and portrait photographer, um, based in Louisiana. My service areas are New Orleans and Baton Rouge. Okay. And I started my business back in 2011, which was, ironically, the same year I was planning my own wedding. (laughs) So it was yes, I started a wedding photography brand obviously photography business. Um, But I knew I wanted to focus on weddings and everybody thought I was crazy because I was also planning my own wedding and it was just the timing of it all just kind of fell that way. But I think it, 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 it added additional value to what I was trying to do as a wedding photographer because I could kind of see from the bride's perspective firsthand what was missing, in my opinion. Yeah. When I reached out to photographers, and I knew I wanted to create an experience at the time. Um, while my photography was nowhere near where it is now, I started the journey knowing that it was going to be, in the long run, more about the experience that I provided than the actual photography. If that makes sense. Clearly, I want to provide quality photography as sure, well. Sure. But. Um, my basis and the basis for me starting my business was that I found when I was looking for photographers for my own wedding, it was just so like white and black. It was so cut and dry. It was, Hey, here's the price. And this is that. And it just seemed so disconnected for something that was going to be what I cherished the rest of my life. And I just wanted for me personally, I wanted to have someone photograph my day that, understood me, someone that was there with me through, you know, the whole journey, my engagements, my bridals, and then my wedding day, because it's such an important day. And I just, you know, I decided with me being a people person and me loving photography the way I I did at the time, which it's always been a part of my life, I say, you know what, maybe this is an opportunity for me to fill that void mm. and create something that I couldn't find, um, in this industry. And that's pretty much what my business has been built on. Um, just building a full blown experience and a personal connection with my brides and my grooms as well. And so far so good. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I would say so. Nine years later, and you're still still kicking. Like you're still doing this thing, and and um, I props to you for that. And and also yeah. props to you too for being kind of the epitome of an entrepreneur, seeing an opportunity and and a void, and going to fill that void. I think that's so smart. Uh, it, I think more photographers or or just people in general could stand to do this very thing, which is instead of, you know, we, we, we run into a situation or situations at various times in our lives personally, where we're like, man, this thing is so frustrating. Or even as business owners, this thing is so frustrating. And maybe we go to Facebook and we complain and talk to our friends or family members Mm -hmm. and we complain to them. Um, but why not instead look for an opportunity to solve that particular problem? And, um, and I love that you did that. You took the initiative, you were proactive and, uh, this, this is a wonderful example for, all of us and a great reminder for all of us, too. So yeah, again, props to you for that. And, <laughs> and here you. we are nine years later. Now, your wedding photographer and the Louisiana market, uh, it, what would you say is your brand position or the unique value proposition that you bring to the, the Baton Rouge, New Orleans area areas?
1: Um, For me, my brand position is just to provide quality photography and a quality experience at an affordable but quality rate. (laughs) Um, I I try to position myself kind of right in the middle of the market because there are, you know, definitely quality customers and quality brides that may not be able to afford the top. Dollar, but not want the bottom either. So I try to position myself right in the middle where my clients receive quality photography and a quality experience that nobody can compare to. And it's just been a beautiful ride. Like you said, it's been nine years. Um, I have had quite a few ups and downs and just trying to make sure that, you know, I position myself in the right places. But overall, it's just been a very beautiful journey a beautiful journey of growth. And I think my, my brides and my grooms really appreciate what I have to offer. And so far it's been, it's been a beautiful ride.
0: How many weddings do you photograph on average in a year?
1: So my, my cap every year is 26 weddings, but okay. for some reason <laughs> she, she can't say no. Ah. So the past four years I've been about 34 to 36 a year. Wow.
0: Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Well, it, I, I was noticing on the homepage of your site, and by the way, for everybody listening in, uh, Sierra's photography homepage, it's, it's Southern Amore, dot com. And yes. uh, you mentioned that your, your wedding collections start at $2,800. Um, this is something I mentioned before in the podcast, but just for context, for everybody listening in, roughly uh, between 75 and 80% or so of the weddings photographed in the U.S., uh, are shot for about two grand and below. And then the next, uh, I would say 10 to 12% or sh- or so are photographed between the two and I think $5,000 mark uh, are the most recent numbers that I saw. And then everything else above that. Um, mm-hmm. So there's this massive portion of the market that is, I, I still think is underserved and that's a whole conversation for another day. Um, mm-hmm. But then that, that 2,000 to 5,000 range where you're sitting is about 12% of the market. And there are a lot of photographers competing for that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's great that you've been able to develop such a a wonderful experience that you're getting 34 weddings, you know, 30 to 35 weddings a year um, Mm -hmm. that speaks very highly of of the service that you're offering. So once again, props to you, congrats to you. Thank you. um, and and you know on on that note, I mean that's that's a lot of weddings to shoot in a year. Time management can be a tough thing when you're trying to run a business, and on top of that, you've got a family. Uh, and yes. and like recently had twins, which is yes, <laughs> just amazing. What first of all, just what's that experience been like?
1: Oh my goodness. Oh my Lord. Before I tell you that, I do want to just jump back into that pricing um, real quick. Yeah, please. Before we leave that, one of the important things to to note about my pricing and where I kind of am sitting right now is that Louisiana, just let's put it out there, we are slow, slow, and slow. Okay. We are like the last to pick up on everything. Our market, (laughs) (laughs) our market is just not as, I don't want to use the word. Expensive, but we are definitely um, Southerners. And, you know, I've done a lot of pricing and investment kind of research throughout the market and throughout different states and regions. And it just, I, I find that where I sit, unfortunately is actually kind of expensive for our area believe it makes or sense. not makes sense
0: no that makes sense yeah
1: so with me having the clientele that i have i'm actually looked at as one of the more expensive photographers in our market which i know like when you're looking when you're coming from up north it looks you know like oh the pricing is really affordable but for some of our our brides in the South, it's actually pushing the boundaries for them. Yeah. Um, this is really like our, our middle of the market bride, but they still have like an overall budget of, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars weddings. It's just, you know, that's a lot for us. No,
0: that, that's so, a lot for a lot of people to be clear. And, and the, <laughs> the numbers that I, that I shared earlier are, they are national numbers. So I'm really glad Sierra that you actually point out the significance of looking at the local market specifically mm-hmm. And the, the demographic there, the spending, b- patterns, it's really yes. important to be aware of those things. And, and I love that you've done that. Again, it speaks to your business acumen. Um, $40,000 to $50,000 for a wedding. I mean, I, I, that is even kind of incomprehensible to me. When I got married <laughs> years ago, I, I think my, well, I know my parents spent only $600 on the wedding photographer. And wow. that, that was a lot of money to them, but they made very little money. And, and the reality is that a large portion, a large percentage of the the country is making something like thirty to forty thousand dollars a year, yeah so the idea of spending you know seven grand on a photographer is just it 's not even a point of consideration. And it has nothing to do with how important photography is it 's just like i don 't have that kind of money in the bank account i exactly. can 't do that. Um, so I, I think first of all, it's wonderful that you're aware of the way that your market is functioning and your pricing accordingly. I think that's really, really important to do. And it's a great reminder for all of our listeners to do the exact same thing. Don't just compare yourself to, you know, for example, some photographer in Santa Barbara, California and say, Oh my goodness, I'm I'm not charging enough. I feel ridiculous as absolutely no bearing on how you run your business
1: in your local market. Exactly. And it's funny because I actually, um, I I do destination weddings as well. And it's always hilarious to me when a bride is like, oh my God, it's so affordable. It's so affordable. Yes, yes, yes. Like they're just super excited because they they haven't experienced my price point because they're so used to things being so much more expensive because a lot of times it's a bride from up north. Um, that's coming down south. And so it's always something that I I take into consideration, because I know how much more expensive things are up north and like, you know, on the West Coast. Um, And I have a lot of photography friends that are in like the DC market, um, for instance, and they all start in like the $5,000 range. And we have this conversation all the time where I'm like, I can't do that. Like, I would not be in business if I started at $5,000 just because that's not my market. And we do the same work. We do the same, you know, quality of work. Our images are very similar, but they just have a different market. And it's, you know, it's very important. And, you know, like you said to other photographers out there, don't compare yourself to what your friends are doing in California and you're in Idaho somewhere, you know, like you definitely need to make sure you're, positioning yourself for your local market, and then go from there. Just create a stamp in your local market and it'll be just fine.
0: <laughs> I, I love it. No, that, that's wonderful advice. We could end the podcast right there. And if, if people actually <laughs> paid attention, they'd be walking away with significant value because it's really important. This, you know, it, we, we talk a lot about this comparison game that happens on, uh, on social media. And um, if we just actually took a step back and focused on what's actually going on, particularly in our local market as photographers, and focus on serving that market according to the actual data, um, the behavioral patterns, as we've talked about, we would be in a wonderful place. It really doesn't matter what other people are doing because they're not serving your clients. And exactly. so we need to pay attention to what our clients need and what they want and, and focus on serving them and, and we'll be good to go as business owners. So I love that we've talked about this, um, but, but do talk to me about time. And by the way, I have to say too, like on your Instagram account for, for Southern Amore, we'll talk about your other mm-hmm. account here in just a second, but um, there is this picture of you and your twins that you posted back on January 1st that is mm-hmm. just stunning. Um, Aww. So, so tell me a little bit about Life with Twins.
1: Yes. Yeah, so the twins um, have definitely changed my life. <laughs> it was unplanned and unexpected. Yeah. And one of the most challenging experiences I've ever faced as just a woman, a business owner, just everything. And to be quite honest, you know, they were just born. They're only there will be four months tomorrow. And it has been quite a challenge um, to to get myself back into the lifestyle that I created before they came into the world. Sure. But it's been a journey that has allowed me to really push myself as a woman and push myself as this super mom that I kind of have self-entitled myself as. But before they got here, I definitely had something um, in place, which I wanted to really kind of go more deeper into because right now I would say my journey is shifting a little okay. um, because i I created a, um, lifestyle and a work life balance based off of what my life was prior to the twins. Uh And I'm now in a transition where I'm incorporating them. And so, um, at WPPI, for instance, like I taught a masterclass on work life balance and in my class, I let, I made sure that my attendees knew that my lifestyle, changes. And that's the part of real life. You know, we go through different things. You know, it could be a health experience. It could be an experience where maybe, you know, a parent takes ill and now you're the caretaker. I mean, there's so many things that can happen to entrepreneurs where we have to be ready per se, but there's always room to pivot and there's always room to make adjustments. And so for me, I'm in that adjustment phase right now um, because I have newborns. And I can't move the way I was moving prior to them, which was like a well old machine. If I have to, <laughs> <laughs> um, I had kind of gotten myself to a place where things were really flowing really easily for me. And yeah. I had launched a second business. And it's just so many things were really going um, as I planned. And then God said, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. like, yes, let me just throw this monkey wrench in there and yeah. see how you do. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's been a it's been a transition, but I love to kind of talk about what that was like before them and then what I plan to do with them, because it's two totally different worlds at th- this point.
0: But you highlight something really important. Uh, and, and if I'm transparent, it's something that I need to continue to improve on, which is to learn to be flexible, because, you know, as, as much as I like to also be very kind of structured in the way that I want to run my day and I'm going to do this thing and that thing the reality is life just doesn't function that way consistently. You have yes. to be able to kind of flex and flow. And, um, and, and without that kind of open-mindedness, uh, I, you know, I think about the Bruce Lee quote about being like water, right? So if, mm-hmm. if you're flexible and that, that stone gets dropped on the water, what happens? You see the ripple effect, but the, the ripples kind of die away and the water smooths over again. Uh, yes. Because that water is able to flex and flow, and to be more like that as business owners and just as individuals, I think it's really, really important. So you bring up a great reminder. Uh, but you, in addition to your twins, um, you have a 12 year old son. Is that right?
1: Yes, he's 12.
0: And and then of course your husband, who, by the way, I, <laughs> there's very few people that that I get to meet um, in life who who or, or see in life who have this just like genuine, kind smile. Aww. And, and i like, I want to hang out with your, what's your husband's name? DeMarco. DeMarco. I want to hang out with your husband. <laughs> like he, he just seems like the most genuinely kind individual. And, Aww. and there's this picture of you all uh, posted on January 1st on again, Southern more, And we'll link to the Instagram account in the show notes for everybody listening in. Uh, but y'all just look wonderfully happy, and he. But he just got the kindest smile. I can only imagine, it like is. he's got just a wonderful support structure there for you as you've gone through all of this. But how Aww, do you?
1: Oh, you gotta make me cry.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, it, how how do you create the space for yourself, uh, for your son, yes. for your twins, uh, for your husband? Like, how do you create the space for them while simultaneously running a business? Is there a particular um, principle or idea technique that you utilize to, to kind of maintain that so-called balance, whatever that balance might look like for you.
1: Yes. Listen, Nathan, we will be here all day. How much time do you have? Because Let me tell you, you just brought tears to my eyes that you could see the happiness in our, in my family, because that took, a lot of work mm. and something that I've shared in the past and um, there I've, I've done some other interviews and things before where I've shared this. But in 2015, the year that I actually went full time and left my corporate job, yeah. um, my husband and I were going through a lot and we separated. Mm. And we were separated the entire year of 2016. I mean, he pretty much we separated the end of December, and it was the craziest thing, the the hardest experience I've ever had to go through. Mm. And it was a result of me being married to my business and not my husband. Wow, which was a huge wake up call for me, um, because while I thought I was out here building. This business for my family, it was actually me building this business because it was my own ego that wanted it so bad. It was my Mm. personal like joy. It was the thing that was giving me fulfillment. And I didn't realize that while I was happy building this business and working like unimaginable a number of hours, I was forgetting what I was working for. And it took for my husband to step up and be like, this is not it for me. Like, this is not what I signed up for, you know, and he is my biggest supporter, but he put his foot down and he was like, if this is how it's going to be, this is not for us. And I think had he not done that, I don't think I would have ever been able to get to the place where work-life balance became a priority for Hmm. me. Yeah. because i was so like like tunnel vision on my business and being this brand and creating this beautiful experience for my couples that are drifting off into the sunset and then i'm like coming home to a chaotic household which how does that work you know right, right. so i i i i kind of have to give him all the credit for Forcing me to figure something out because there was no work life balance prior to 2015. Hmm. It was just you go, 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 go work, 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 work. And I was building something. So to kind of get into what changed in 2016, I said, okay. What's, what am I doing this for? Like, am I working just to say I have this beautiful brand? No, like I'm working to build a legacy for my family. I'm working to be able to make more money to spend more time with my family. Like, so I had to kind of sit down and prioritize. And when I did that, I realized that I had to fix a lot. And I started with client management. Um, I had to get to a point where clients respected my time. And this is something that I talk about a lot in my masterclass okay. that I've, I've taught this class with WPPI twice now, the same exact class two times in a row and respecting our time as photographers is a big part of my class. Um, if you think about industries that have respect, it's like doctors, right? Um, even down to hair hair stylists and barbers, like they don't work on Sundays and Mondays, and it's just a known fact. You know, you don't you're not expecting to go to your barber on a Sunday or a Monday because you know they're <laughs> right. closed. Yeah. You don't expect to be able to call your um, primary care physician on a Sunday and they say, "Hey, come to the office." You know, it's just certain levels of respect in different industries that are just standard. And I said, okay, I'm going to create my own standard for my time. I don't know what everybody else is doing, but for me to be able to prioritize my family, I have to set limits. So I started off with just my schedule and I decided that Sundays and Mondays are off limits. Hmm. We're a Christian family. So church was like, where is church? Church had no longer become priority. Hmm. I lost that, you know, like I would tune into Facebook here and there, but we were no longer going and sitting in, into, you know, our church houses. We, it was like, no matter what day it was, I was available Hmm. and that's not good. You know, you, you really have to set standards. So Sundays and Mondays I created as family time. Then the other, like to take it even a step further, Because I was um, pretty heavily booking in 2016 and 2017, I decided that once I had three weddings in a month, that was it. Like, I needed to keep at least one weekend open for my family. So, it's tricky, but it's doable. So what I would do is, you know, if I had, let's say I booked a Friday and a Saturday, the same weekend, that meant I could only book one more weekend in that month because I had my three for the month. And then that would give me a weekend to spend with my family. Um, or, you know, if they were spread out, I would just block off that last available weekend and just say, no, if it came up, it's a no. And, you know, by me setting those standards for myself in the beginning and telling myself, Hey, this is what you're going to do. It's not about money anymore. Now it's about just setting a new trend and a new standard for yourself so that family time is not, you know, contradicted by your clients or your business or whatever, like this is the standard. And there have been times where clients have requested dates and it just happened to be on my family weekend. And I say no without. Blinking because I had to learn how to prioritize, and that's kind of the standard for what I started, and then I kind of continued that into um, working with my client management system, which really helped. And I, I don't know if you know you are familiar with it, but I use a service called Sprout Studio. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my god! Like when I finally discovered Sprout Studio, it literally saved. My life, it saved my marriage. I tell Brian, who is the creator, all the time, like you just have no idea how much this system saved me. Wow! Um, because it it provided me the opportunity to be able to prepare all of my content on the back end, so when in real time clients contact me, I'm able to respond literally within less than thirty seconds. Wow! And just having that system made me be able to stick to my um, new standard of time and respecting my time. And then with my daily schedule, so I open at, I I quote unquote, open (laughs) (laughs) like a store, I open at 10 and I close at six. And so I decided, you know, that's another thing that I have to set my own standard for. So with using a client management system, I'm able to schedule all of my responses. So even if I am, you know, not too busy at night and I'm respond- I'm doing emails, I'm not sending those emails when I type them. I'm scheduling them for my business times, which would be if it's 8, 8, if it's 8 p.m. and I'm writing an email, that email isn't going to go out until 10 a.m. the next morning. Okay. Because now I am making my customers aware that I'm only working between these hours because if I don't respect my hours, how am I going to expect my clients to? So starting in 2016, my clients started getting used to not only me no longer working on Sundays and Mondays, but they also started to get used to my communications only happening during business hours. Hmm. And it took about, I would say it took about six months or so for it really to kind of click. But no, I no longer get emails on Sundays or Mondays. I no longer have people requesting certain things on Sundays and Mondays. It's just... I've kind of built my standard. And that was the beginning of me getting my work-life balance in order to be able to prioritize my family.
0: Wow. Well, I mean, it seems like we could kind of sum this up by by saying, I mean, I know it's kind of a cliche word these days, but you were intentional. Like you realized yes. you needed to make a change and then you did. And, and, by being intentional that I'm, I'm not going to work on Sundays and Mondays, I'm only going to shoot three weekends a month, and here are my business hours, and I'm sticking to these. And I can imagine, too, that like putting it out there, your your family kind of keeps you accountable as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that intentionality is... It, it's funny how something so simple can ultimately make such a massive difference, as opposed to reacting, right? That I think a lot of photographers, and I've certainly been guilty of it as well, in our industry, tend to just function in a reactive state where, if a text message comes in or an email comes in, um, they're just going to respond to it at that moment. Social media notification got to jump to that right away. You know, yes. the notifications are left on, the buzzing, the dinging, etc., and they're just constantly reacting. And yes. it's no wonder, first of all, that we're exhausted and we get burnout. But it's also no wonder that relationships suffer in the process. And so, making a switch, being proactive, actually being our own boss, and deciding how and when we're going to work makes all the difference in the world. Yes. And uh, you just you summed that up so so beautifully. And, and I really appreciate your sh- sharing your personal experience too. Thank, and, you. Uh, at Thank some, you. At some at some point. I, Demarco and I need to to connect because I, I want to meet <laughs> that guy and and hang out with him like it just it's it really is I don't know why it's so unusual but you know I think a lot of times people have their their guard up their defenses up and mm-hmm. so you you see a smile but it's not it just doesn't feel genuine he's mm-hmm. got this this genuine smile and kindness and a smile in his eyes that that is just it's wonderful and um, so more power to him. And yes. I want to I want to be that way, too. Like, I, I want people to be like, oh, man, that, that guy is so just genuinely kind and happy. I think it's I think it's a cool thing. Oh, my
1: God. I can't so. wait for him to hear this. Like, he, you just have no idea. Like, he is my rock. I mean, rock. We butt heads a lot. But sure. at the end of the day, he supports me through every single up and down. And like I said, I owe it to him that I am where I am today, because had he not you know, had the courage to put his foot down in our marriage, I have no idea where we would be because we were definitely spiraling out of control because I wasn't prioritizing family. I Mm -hmm. mean, and it's just the truth. I mean, (laughs) and I, and I, I think a lot of people may be able to relate to this because, you know, when you're building something and you're super passionate about it, you, you can't see what's happening around you. All you see is that thing, that thing you have to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. And I'm such a goal-oriented person that it was like, this is not going to defeat me. I was more concerned about that, my business, like being successful than I was about that that marriage I started at the very same time. Mm. And like I said, you know, I started the business the same year we got married. So it was like the timing of it all I could see how he was like, what happened here? Because starting them both starting a marriage and a business on in the same year at the same time, I I definitely weighed one more than the other. And Mm. it was the wrong one. And I'm, I'm, I'm very honest in that because I learned from it and um, I'm just super grateful for, for the, the, the move that he made. And he is a very genuine person. So I would love for you guys to meet one day. Oh, I I
0: hope (laughs) so. Yeah. Shout out to DeMarco. And, uh, <laughs> one of these days we're definitely going to have to connect. This has been a really wonderful conversation. And I, I feel like we've just, you, you've shared so much wonderful value already. And I really appreciate that, Sierra. Um, and I want to respect your time and everybody listening in too. I know that we've got a really big, topic to cover here, talking about your health <laughs> journey. So I'm going to actually jump ahead to that right now.
1: Okay. Um,
0: and, and I want to just get right into it. Now, if I were to just from the outside kind of sum up what you've accomplished so far, um, not even having a, a, a very detailed perspective. I mean, if I go to your other Instagram account, which I alluded to earlier, but for everybody listening in, it's the chic and savvy bell, just like it sounds. We'll link to it in the show notes as well at bocapodcast.com. Uh, you mentioned that you've lost 133 pounds. Yes. Um, and I, I'll just kind of stop right there and let you give context <laughs> to, to that point. And if you can kind of sum up your journey, your health journey, what that has looked like, what you've come through, I'd, I'd really appreciate it.
1: Awesome. I, I definitely will. So I hate to keep going back to 2015, but in 2015, I created this goals list. Um, it had about 15 things on it. And one of them was to lose 100 pounds. So for me, I've always been like a plus size woman, plus size kid. But I was always very comfortable and confident in my skin. Sure. And it just started to become with the within the wedding industry. I started to feel like my weight was not holding me back from clients or industry kind of related things, but it was holding me back in what I felt I could capture if believe it or not. Hmm. Um, and just as simple, just simple things like jumping to stand on a chair to get the better angle or being able to squeeze through a tight space, um, to be able to get to that moment. It was just little things that personally I was holding within myself that I knew if I was just a little smaller, I could catch that moment better or I could crop down into that little tight space. Um, it was just, you know, I knew it was holding me back and not only in my photography, but just in my everyday life, I can, felt like it was holding me back. And so can
0: I, can I, do you care if I jump in just really quick? Here, oh, yeah, this, go is, ahead. this is really interesting to me. Um, and we could probably spend at least a whole additional podcast episode talking <laughs> about just this, this point. And I know, I know perspectives are going to vary. Um, but I'd really be curious to get your take on this. You know, there's there's a lot of conversation around the very thing that you just mentioned um, a, a minute ago, which is the significance of being confident in your own body. I mean, this is something, this is a, a talking point, if you will, that we've heard quite a bit in our culture over the last two or three years or so, maybe even a little bit more. Um, but it feels at the same time like the pendulum has swung so far to one extreme that in the process of speaking to the significance of confidence in ourselves and being happy with ourselves, which are obviously important things, the significance of how we are taking care of ourselves or not, and ultimately how that affects our health and our day-to-day functionality has kind of gotten lost in the mix uh, or mm-hmm. for the sake of that, that confidence that, that we're spending so much time talking about. Um, So I love that you've created this distinction between the two. You're confident. It wasn't about, it wasn't an issue of confidence. It was more a a practical decision that, Hey, in order to function better, for lack of a better word, um, in my day-to-day life, in my business, I want Mm -hmm. to lose this weight. Can you speak just a little bit to the difference between those, those two concepts or those two points and how they can still play together?
1: Absolutely. Um, When your listeners go and check out my Instagrams, they'll see that I have never exuded anything less than confidence. Um, And personally, confidence is just something I naturally have had all my life. Um, But there comes a point where you have to realize that confidence and reality are two totally different things. Mm. And like I said, for me, my reality would hit in moments where I couldn't fit in a certain chair, or I, like I said, I couldn't squeeze through a space that looked large enough, but ended up not being large enough. Um, Mm. It was more or less comfortability and being confident and comfortable are also two different things. And I kept finding that I was not Comfortable physically. Okay. Not confident, but comfortable. And, you know, one of the things you said earlier um, when I was talking about my schedule, you said about being intentional. Yeah. And it's ironic because 2016, intentional was my word of the year. Everything I did was intentional. Um, And having confidence was something that was able to kind of pivot me. To all of the things I did accomplish in 2016, were quite a, which were quite a lot of things, um, but it was my confidence that got me through them. It was my confidence mm. in 2016 that allowed me to take a risk, and I flew to D.C. and shot this um, style shoot that was my first style shoot to ever get picked up and published in Grace Armand. I mean, I had these big dreams that I was like, okay how am i going to get here and how am i going to do this and it was my confidence that allowed me to do so i never allowed my weight to hold me back in those types of instances but you know you you personally can feel certain things in yourself where you're like okay i could have done this a little better had i not been restricted sure. you know weight causes restrictions whether you want to see it or not you just have to be honest with yourself and say you know why at the end of the night did i feel like i was hit by a bus I mean, it wasn't my confidence that was the problem. It was my physical being that was the problem. And, you know, I just it, it, I could go on and on about the differences, but hopefully, you know, going forward and the rest of this conversation, people will get a better sense of how being confident doesn't quantify being comfortable. Two different things,
0: and, and I'm glad that you make that distinction. I think the other thing, and again, this is for a whole nother topic, and maybe we'll even have um, you know a health professional of, of some kind come on and address this too. But despite how we might generally feel comfortable, I think back. In fact, before we recorded today, um, I sent you a, a picture, like a before and after picture of myself. I I, I lost, I think at the at, at the highest point, I lost about 60 pounds. So good. A number of years ago, and. I, when i think back to my life being that much heavier i don't i don't remember necessarily feeling so bad mm-hmm. um what you don't realize uh i think many cases you, you don't you don't realize what you're missing out on as yes. far as how you feel until after you lose the weight because you're just kind of exactly. used to it exactly
1: yes you make you make it your lifestyle is what you make it based with the the plate you're given basically. And you don't realize that there's a whole serving of other dishes out there that you don't even know about because you basically restricted yourself to what you thought was possible or what you kind of made your surroundings as. And that I could not relate to that more. I actually just said that very thing to someone a couple weeks ago that I didn't know that I wasn't living a beautiful life before I lost the weight. Like Mm. I thought I was living my best life prior to losing weight. It wasn't until I lost the weight that I was like, oh my God, like this is living. This is what living is like. Like it's so crazy how you just don't know. You just don't.
0: Yeah. So I I would encourage all of our listeners, I guess, on that note, just to to make sure that Um, even if you are kind of comfortable in your own skin at the moment, just make sure that, that what is not getting lost is what is possible. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, whether it's conversation with somebody who's been through in this case, in the context of this conversation, weight loss and knows what it's like and knows what's on the other side of it. Um, yeah, it takes work, but what's on the other side of that is potentially an even more fulfilling life than what you're already yes. living. But what I was getting to earlier when I referenced having a healthcare professional on here, I think one of the things again that's been lost in this conversation about confidence and the significance of confidence, and again, I don't want to minimize that. There's there are some actual, shall we say, quantifiable measurements of our health that if we take the time to get blood work done. And have a healthcare professional walk us through this process, um, we can become aware of. And, and we might be surprised that despite the fact that we're comfortable in our own skin, and maybe we're even confident, um, there are some concerning data. Uh, because our body in some ways functions, maybe not robotically, but you can actually go and get blood work. And I did this a number of years ago. It's really fascinating, actually. to actually see numbers. Um, We can talk about feeling good, but then numbers are another thing and they, we may not feel that bad right now, but if the numbers as they are continue as they are for a number of years to come, we may end up putting ourselves in a really bad spot down the road. So I just, I want to make sure that for anybody listening in that you don't ultimately compromise your health, even if it's not right now, certainly in the future Mm -hmm. under the guise of, well, I'm confident in my own skin. Um, Because I, I feel like in some ways our culture has gone to such an extreme with that message I'm concerned that, that some people's health in the long run might be compromised as a result. I just don't want that to get lost. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll just throw that out there. We'll leave that alone for now. And like I said, maybe we can have a, <laughs> um, a healthcare professional at some point or even more than one come on and, and we can have more uh, detailed conversation in that realm. But so you, you had this motivation to, to make a practical change in your life. Um, yes. What enabled you then to, to go ahead and make that change and begin to see results?
1: Yeah, so it have you ever heard of Blink Conference by Ike and Tosh? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So in 2016, um 16, wait, no, 2017, yeah. um, a group of my friends and I, we went to their um conference that was in Seattle that year. Yeah. And that whole year, I had already been kind of dealing with the fact that I'd accomplished everything on that 2015 goals list, except for losing that hundred pounds. And I was, I had, I kind of was doing this yo-yo thing where I was losing the weight and then I was gaining it back. I just kept falling off the bandwagon. So it was getting to a point where I was becoming very frustrated with myself. Hmm. And then in November, which was the time of the Blink conference, I went out to Seattle and it was the beginning of the end for me. I was the most uncomfortable I've ever been, like ever. And I think it was not that anything had physically changed with me. It was my mindset was over it. I was just done. I was so sick of being the big friend. I was sick of like having to look at, a seat or a space in between two people, and think about can I fit there before I have before I sit down. Um, just like just these very small, minute things that became big things um, when it came to my comfortability. Hmm. And during that trip, the girls and I—it was a group of, of four of us—we just really had this very deep connection and deep. We had deep conversations about life as a whole. And I remember telling them that. I was in this place where I I've accomplished everything. I got my my husband back. My family's going well. Business is great. I've streamlined things, but I'm still feeling incomplete. Like I still was not feeling like I'd gotten to this place of like. Just completion yet. And I knew it was that weight that was that last barrier for me. Like I said, I'm a goal driven person. So not being able to accomplish that goal from that 2015 list that I just kept bringing into every year, I, I just, it was something deep inside me. So I remember leaving Seattle with this just mind state of, okay, you have to, this is it. 20, when, 20, when 2018 gets here, you have to do the work you have to make it happen and that is going to be it there's no if ands buts about it and that same month my family and I so every year prior to twins now <laughs> um every year we would take a cruise for thanksgiving that's okay. kind of like our family thing yeah. and so following blink i was going on a cruise within a few days like of returning well like a couple weeks and so we went on the cruise my husband my son and i and once again, I was plagued with all this uncomfortableness. And the the moment, like my rock bottom moment was my son. I'm like the water mom. I'm like a fish in the water. My husband is terrified of water. He does not do water. So when we would go on our cruises, it's always my son and I. And at this point I had picked up a Probably like an additional maybe 20 pounds because I had lost weight and then I gained and then gained more. So I was like my heaviest um, at that point. And on the cruise, which was a new ship and these new water slides, there was a sign as my my son and I were walking up to go get on the water slide, a sign that said the weight capacity was 300 pounds. I was 311 pounds at the time. So I stopped and I told my son, I said, baby, I'm not going to be able to get on this because mm. mommy is over the weight restriction. And the look on my son's face mm. literally like killed me right there. Wow. I could have passed out and died in that moment because he has so much disappointment. Like that he was so excited for us to go do this together. And then I had to tell him I couldn't. And I mean, it literally brought tears to my eyes the way he looked at me. And he was like, okay, it's okay, mom. That's okay, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And so we went and we sat back down where my husband was. And I just was looking at my son, just so disappointed that he we couldn't do it together. So my husband being who he is, he was like, okay, we'll go do it. And he went and did it with my son. And you know, to have that moment with him, but it's like, that was my thing. We do water sports together. We do all the fun, like water activities together. And I had to tell him no, because of the weight restriction. And in that moment, I cried and cried and cried and cried. Like that night, I remember I boohooed about it. And I told my husband that that was it. Like there was nothing else that would motivate me more than that moment. And I remember the very next day, it was like God was just giving me all these painful stamps. Like, listen, this is I'm I'm nudging you, girl. This is it. My husband and I went to dinner and I sat in the chair. I'm like, I don't even know if I've shared this with anyone. I sat in the chair and I like could not fit in the chair. It was to a point where my hips were kind of like holding me up where my butt wasn't even on the seat because the chair was that like, not let me My my husband makes a joke where I said the chair was too small, but it wasn't the chair. It was me. (laughs) (laughs) It was me who was too big for the chair. So I want to make sure I say it the right way. But um, the chair was the right size. It was me who could not fit the chair. So I remember sitting there and I told my husband, um, I said, I can't like the chair is not working out. And he was like, what you, he was like, what you want me to do? He was like, you want to leave? I'm like, no, this is like, we have reservations. I don't want to leave. I was like, I'm just going to sit here. And he was like, so you're going to sit in pain. I'm like, yeah. He was like, let me get a chair. Let me ask for a chair without arms. And I was like, no. And so he was like, that's stupid. Let me just get a chair without arms. And I'm like, no, do not make a scene. Hmm. And so the waiter comes over and I'm literally in pain. Okay. I'm in excruciating pain at this point because I'm, I'm literally holding, being held up by the arms of the chair. And so, um, my husband told the waiter without my permission, he was like, Hey, can you, is there any chairs without arms? And the guy looked at me with, it was like the most painful look because, Mm granted, he, he's like, I'm gonna tell him it's for me. I'm like that, duh, he's gonna know it's not for you. Like, <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. So he asked the guy to bring a chair without arms and he did and it was a scene and I was the most embarrassed I've ever been in my life but I was able to sit there and have dinner with my husband. So two days in a row, I had these experiences with the two people I love most in the whole wide world where my weight embarrassed not only me but I mm. felt embarrassed them which they both said they weren't, but obviously you're going to take it a different way. So after that, when we got home, that was it. That was, that was literally it. Yeah. And now we're here.
0: <laughs> wow. So I, and I know that you've posted on, on your YouTube channel about this as well. You ended up having yes. a, a surgery. Um, was it very much longer after that?
1: No, not at all. Okay. I, it was I ended up doing um, a form of weight loss surgery, which is um, the gastric sleeve, which is one of the less invasive types that okay. you can do. Okay. And that was actually another. I, and I, I give all the credit to God on all of this, because that came from me being um, I've always been very biased when it came to weight loss surgery. I've always been that person that's like, oh, I don't need that. I can do it on my own. Um, that's you know, that's for people who are like really, really obese. And me not realizing, girlfriend, you are really obese. Like, I had so much confidence that I really never saw myself the size that I really was until. Yeah. Like until all of these things started to pile up, I never saw my size. Like I felt it, but I didn't see it. And so it wasn't until one of my couples, um, they're a same sex couple we did. Okay. So I met this couple in like early 2017 and they booked me for their wedding. We had our in-person meeting. They booked me. They were both plus size women. And in our communication we spoke about weight because we were all three women sitting at this table plus size women and it was just something we connected on naturally I'm not even sure how it came up but they told me that they were doing weight loss surgery together and so I was like wow okay and me not being judgmental or anything, I told them in the moment, I said, I'm that's so exciting that you guys are gonna have each other, but you know, it's not something for me. Like I know I'm physically capable of working out and doing these things to get this weight off. It's just I don't I can't stay committed to it for some reason. Hmm. So long story short in November. So what we did was they booked me for their wedding and they booked an engagement session. They had already done engagement photos with another photographer prior to them finding me. And so what we discussed, because their package came with a session, we said, okay, since you guys are doing the surgery in May, let's do a second engagement session to show how your transition has happened from the first to this fr- to before the wedding sure. and they loved the idea so in November when I got back from blink actually no 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 it was after the cruise actually when I got back from the cruise, I went to do their session and I could not even like tell you how pivotable they they were in my journey. Hmm. When I saw them, it wasn't the fact that they lost all this weight that impressed me. What impressed me and made me finally just be open-minded to surgery was their spirits and their personalities. They looked so happy and so free. It was Hmm. like, two completely different women. Like when I met them, they were in their shells. Yeah. They were like really closed. And when we did that second session, I could just see so much light and freedom in their in their spirits and their personalities. They just like had lifted like thousands of miles off the ground, you know, and we talked about it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and look into this. And finally, I just was like, you know what? Maybe God is putting all these things In my life right now, to just push me into this direction because maybe this is what I should be looking into. And it wasn't until I did that I realized my issue was not moving and exercise and being active. My issue was that I had a food addiction. And I had never recognized that until I started looking into weight loss surgery and what options were out there and what that really meant for my journey Hmm. and recognizing the food addiction was what got me to the point that I am now. And it was the best thing that could have ever happened.
0: Well, and and that's a beautiful segue to my next question and or talking point, which has to do with food addiction. By the way, I want I want to interject here just really quickly and remind everybody listening: in um, neither myself nor Sierra or healthcare professionals or psychologists. This is just meant to be conversation and kind of sharing our personal experiences uh, and what we've learned through them. But um, you know, food food addiction. This is not really something that I've publicly talked about. Uh, it, it's it's. It's something that I've struggled with um, and part of the and I'm not I don't say that to, to get anybody's um, you know empathy or anything of the sort. I just want to put that out there for the sake of context and, and this conversation um, and it's it is a I know how difficult it can be yeah. from personal mm-hmm. experience let me just put it that way um, and and it is certainly tied to the weight gain that I experienced and and ultimately the ongoing. Kind of struggle, challenge for me to be in the shape that I want to be. So mm-hmm. I can very much empathize with you, Sarah, and, and relate to you. But I'd love for you to share, if you don't mind. First of all, starting at that realization, how that realization felt, what it kind of looked mm-hmm. like internally, what what do those thoughts sound like, if you will, um, yeah. just just for our listeners to give context. And then, were there certain things that you did or have learned to do to effectively mm-hmm. combat that that so called food addiction? Yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, so in realizing that I had a food addiction, it was the fact that I, real, I, I had to kind of almost step outside of my body um, when I was going through the phase of trying to figure out what I needed to do to lose this weight. I had to really be real with myself and stop making excuses. And I'm like, okay, every time I go on a weight loss journey, where am I going wrong? What is it that I'm doing that is causing me to regain the weight and Mm. not succeed? And it was me being honest with myself and saying, it's the food. Like every time I would fall off the bandwagon, it was because let's say maybe, um, an event uh, came up and it was food related here in Louisiana. Every celebration involves food. (laughs) Everything, (laughs) everything we do is surrounded around food. And, I've grown, I've grown up in a household and a family where finish your food is a part of our lifestyle. You don't leave. Yeah. You know, and it's like, the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, I can work out. I can do these things and I, I enjoy them when I'm in them. But as soon as I get home, I'm like, I feel like I'm hungry, but I'm not hungry. And why, why do I feel that way? Why do I feel that when I'm down or sad about something, I have to eat? Why do I feel like, you know, when I'm in downtime or I'm hanging out, I have to have something in my mouth. And it just, the more I realize that, I was sugarcoating it with myself. The the more I started recognizing some of the things that I found on the Internet about what food addiction is mm. were what I was doing. Okay, All of the bullet points were points that I could say, wow, that's me. Okay. Oh, that's me, too. And that's how I came to that conclusion. So when I went for my first consultation with um, the a doctor, actually the doctors, the doctor that did my girls surgery, my brides, um, I went to a consultation with him. And I told him all of this, I told him what I was feeling. And, you know, is this the type of procedure that would allow me to still put the work in, but help me with this food addiction that I have recently discovered that I have. And he actually solidified what food addiction was for me as a healthcare professional. And it was me. I was the, like, you look it up in the dictionary, my face was there, period. Hmm. And so I was able to confirm that after going to that meeting. And it just helped me to realize that, okay, maybe, just maybe I do need a little help in that area. Because working out has never been the problem. Yes, it hurt as a 300-pound woman. Yes, it was painful. But I was never afraid to do it. I was more so afraid of the food side than anything. So being able to have the VSG surgery, it's called vertical sleeve gastrectomy, for those who may not be familiar with it what it is is they basically take out 70 to 85% of your stomach and wow. they leave it in like this banana shape okay so instead of your stomach being able to fully expand and take in all this food um like this endless pit of food you're restricted to what can fit inside that banana shaped belly now and I opted for that particular surgery because, like I said, I still wanted to do the work. I didn't want something that was going to do all the work for me, which even with gastric bypass, that you still have to put in work. You have That's like the biggest misconception I learned as a person that was kind of against weight loss surgery in the beginning okay. is that even having weight loss surgery, you still have to do the work. It's absolutely, positively not the easy way out. Interesting. It's actually probably harder <laughs> than doing it on your own or without any assistance. So I refer to my sleeve as a tool, which you'll find in this community, the weight loss surgery community, most people refer to the gastric sleeve as a tool okay. because your stomach can actually stretch back out. Right. There are a lot of people who are unsuccessful with the sleeve because they do not um, take the opportunity to fix the big problem, which is the food addiction. Hmm. The problem is this is basically a tool that gives you a year to two years to get your stuff together, okay. in lack of better word. Yeah. And so for me to kind of answer your question, what I did was I took the sleeve as an opportunity to reset my life Okay. and reset my relationship with food. And within six months, so prior to me having the sleeve, every time I would do like a weight loss journey, I would fall off within like that 10 to 12 week mark. It would be kind of like played out at that point. I'm like over it. Okay. I'm hungry. I want to eat what I want to eat. And I would just get back into eating too much and not in moderation. Now having my sleeve, um, I was able to teach myself portion control. I was able to teach myself moderation and, you know, what, what should I focus on? What shouldn't I focus on? What's healthy? What's not healthy. And I'm now at the point where even if I didn't have my sleeve, I'd no longer eat the bottomless pit Mm, (laughs) for lack of better words. I've re I've re kind of structured my relationship with food. Food is no longer a sport for me. Food is now for nutrition. And now let me not say, I, I still enjoy food. I still love food. Sure. And I still eat what I want to eat to a certain extent. But I now know that I can have a, a, a Snicker or I can have a Reese's Pieces in moderation, yeah. not eat the entire like store. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> oh, I can very much relate to that. Yeah.
1: I, so that's really what it was. It's just teaching, teaching, reteaching myself what food is and how it should um, be Used in our, you know, lives. Pretty much.
0: Now, you know, food addiction is, is it's a loaded phrase, if you will, a loaded couple of words.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Addiction, specifically, as I understand it, have, have come to understand it, is ultimately compensating for something. Right? We're mm-hmm. we're trying to. In fact, it's really interesting. Russell Brand, who is a is an actor, relatively famous actor and comedian, um, speaks to his addiction to drugs. Uh, I think alcohol as well, um, but. He, he says that ultimately people are trying to fill a void or fill a hole with their addiction and, and I love that because I, I think a, a lot of times the the psychological component of addiction is is not so much addressed it 's just kind of called a disease and mm-hmm. and and people can set aside their responsibility in that context and that's to me that 's concerning. I love that he 's addressing the psychology of it, which basically says you 're compensating for something you 're trying to fill a void. And so personally, anyway, my, my, uh, and and something that I'm continuing to work on is the realization of what I'm trying to compensate for by going to food or more specifically sugar um, Mm. to to feel good in the moment. What is that? What am I trying to compensate for? And then of course, Mm. naturally, the, the next question is what are healthier ways to address that need or those needs or those desires? and so i'm curious just from your perspective sierra was did you was that something that that you experienced as well where you felt like you were trying to kind of compensate for something was it just simply a, a comfort mechanism was there something else going on there what what was your experience with food addiction You know,
1: honestly, um, I, I, I can't really say that I ever pinpointed a one, like that one thing that I maybe was compensating for because I don't feel, I don't feel like I was, I feel like I just came from a background and a family where food was a sport, like interesting. Okay. And, 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 that's, you know, I'm, I'm being 100 percent honest in that because I, I really did feel like I was very happy and I didn't feel like I was lacking anything. And and I have a large following and I try to always like express that my my um, purpose for sharing my journey yeah. the way I did was to show that you could be the most confident plus size woman in the world, but still need to be healthy. And I think for me, that was it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, it was really nothing else that I felt I was compensating for. I was, I really just was a overweight kid and woman that it became my lifestyle. And I didn't know anything other than that Hmm. until it started to become very uncomfortable for me. That that, and that makes sense. Yeah that that's really that's really it for me. And I think there's actually a lot of other people in the world who may be the same where it's not particularly compensating for things. Where it's just who they are. It's just how they were raised. It's just their environment um, that they were you know accustomed to. And for me that was it.
0: Huh, that's interesting. Well, and, and I appreciate you sharing your perspective, because, of course, our experiences as human beings individually are going to be different from mm-hmm. from person to person, based particularly, as you point out, on our on our history, um, mm-hmm. our experience, particularly as, as younger people, where we're, um, our psychology and, and behavioral patterns are ultimately developed largely. And um, so I'm glad that you highlight that as well. But I'd be curious now, just on a practical level, as we finish this conversation and, and my goodness, it's been so wide ranging and, and wonderfully valuable. (laughs) (laughs) I, I really appreciate your, your openness and your transparency. And again, sharing your perspective and what you've learned, what are a few habits that on a daily or weekly basis, you've incorporated in your life to continue to build on your desire to be a healthy individual?
1: Yeah. So at this point now, um, exercise, regular exercise is number one, of course, just being mobile, um, that keeps, that keeps the blood flowing, that keeps you active, keeps your calories to burning. So I'm very, very active. Um, When your listeners take a look at my profile, you'll see I do challenges all the time, one of which is a jump rope challenge. And I actually open that jump rope challenge up to my followers and just people out in the world who want to do something different and fun. Um, I host these monthly challenges where we jump rope every day because it's one of the only physical activities where you can do it anywhere. You you don't need anything. Um, So there's no excuses. So just being active and finding fun ways to be active um, is very important. Another habit that I've incorporated is I'm pretty much a um, high protein, low carb kind of eater now. Okay. So I focus like when I'm eating, I focus on making sure that I have a nice solid protein and, you know, a nice vegetable to go with it. That's really all I feel like I eat. I just low carb, high protein. And then I would say the last, One would just be to continue to uplift and empower myself and make sure that I tell myself that I don't have to be perfect. This isn't a race. This is a lifestyle Hmm. change for me. And it's going to be days where I may not have the best decision making in my health um, as far as foods are concerned, but it's just one day. Whereas prior to this lifestyle change that I made, it was every day. So I try to just keep myself empowered and make sure that I know that, you know, this is something that I have to continue to focus on the rest of my life and enjoy the ride, not put too much stress on myself, but just genuinely enjoy what I've accomplished and continue to focus on just having a healthy relationship with food. That's that's the biggest top threes I could give.
0: That's good, though. I mean, it, it's easy. First of all, a lot of times when people want to lose weight, they go to that that infamous word, diet, right? So it's mm-hmm, rather mm. than being a lifestyle change, which I'm so glad that you used that phrase, rather than being an actual lifestyle change, it's a temporary thing where they're eating less or they're eating a different kind of food with yes. kind of an end goal in mind, and then that's, that's kind of it. Um, whereas what you're describing is... An actual change, an ongoing change to your life, the way that you eat and the way that you are active, the way that you live day to day, you're making a, a- an overall change and yes. there is no real like immediate end goal. It's a process and being okay with the fact that it is a process. It's an ongoing process. I think that's a, I mean that certainly resonates with me um, yes. and, and I and hope it does with our listeners as well the being okay with it being a process. I mean this holds true in multiple facets of our lives and our business as well, being patient, yes. being okay with the process and enjoying the process Uh, I I think kind of a shift in mindset toward that and would be a really great place for all of us to be. And and I love that we uh, that we finish our conversation on that note. I think it's really, really powerful. Will you just share one more time with our listeners where they can follow not only your your wedding photography business, but also your health journey online so that they can they can check out, see what you're doing and, and maybe follow along?
1: Yes, absolutely. So for my photography, it's southernamore.com. Um, and Amore is A M O R E. And my Instagram is Southern Amore, exactly how the website is. And then on my personal side, with my weight loss journey and more personal family things, that is going to be under the Chic and Savvy Bell which is exactly how it is um, all. It's a long, long title, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I usually have to write it down um, for people when I'm saying it or giving people my Instagram, use my little uh, QR code thing, but um, it's the chic and savvy bell exactly how it sounds. So you can find me there.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. And we'll put this all in the show notes at boca Um This has been really, truly lovely conversation. I, I can't thank you enough for making time for all of us today. We'll Thank link to Sarah. all the resources uh, in the show notes. By the way, you mentioned I Um, Tosh shout out to I We Tosh. We actually had a, an interview with them on the show back in episode 308. We talked about how to build a senior photography business and we'll link to that episode in the awesome. show notes as well. Um, yes. Tosh are, are lovely, but uh, thanks once again, Sierra for sharing so much wonderful value with, with all of us today.
1: You're welcome. You're welcome. And thank you for even inviting me over. This has been such a joy and I'm super, super excited that I finally got to meet you and give you a hug. Like I just, Oh my God, you're so awesome. You, you guys, you got to meet him in person. He's just got the like most beautiful spirit and you're so welcoming. So I definitely appreciate you just being who you are and even creating this space for us. I mean, this is amazing. And I just applaud you and I would love for you to just continue to you know, open doors for others and, and continue what you're doing because it's definitely um, making a change. So
0: oh, that means that means so much more than, than I can even communicate. Thank you so much <laughs> for that encouragement um, yeah. for everybody listening and make sure you go follow Sierra and, and give her a shout out, send her a message of encouragement and thanks and uh, have an absolutely wonderful day. Thanks so much photographers for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at bocapodcast.com. We do try to bring this show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and milu.com. Milu, Photographer's Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.